Sally, how did it go? Oh, very well. He accepted all my security recommendations and he wants me to take a look at some of his other places. Good. I gather he's got a lot of those. Oh, yes. Warehouses, furniture repositories, coal storage, on the continent, in the States, all over the place. What's he like? Ford. Tough. I'd rather have his business than his friendship. Well, you've got his business. Yes, rather more than I'd bargain for. Oh? What do you mean? He sounded me out on another proposition. And what was that? Well, boil down. When you take off all the wrappings, he wanted to know if I'd murder someone. He what? He didn't come out into the open, but that's what it amounted to. A very good fee. Thirty thousand pounds. Thirty thousand? Gally, what on earth did you say? I said I was interested. Naturally. And now, for today's survey, a rather different type of story. Many people are becoming increasingly concerned at the rate at which the nation's art treasures are being sold to foreign buyers and removed beyond these shores. This is not limited to paintings, but includes all forms of antiques and the fine arts. The latest potential victim is a privately owned exhibition of furniture, which is one of the finest in the world, the Treadgold Collection. Many of you will have read the recent protests in the press by Lady Constance Treadgold at the failure of the government to intervene and save this unique collection which is threatened with purchase by an American buyer. Here with me now in the studio is Lady Constance Treadgold. Lady Constance. Good afternoon. I believe the collection has been in your family for close on 200 years. Oh, longer than that. It was started by my grandfather's great-grandfather in the middle of the 18th century and built up over the years. Furniture wasn't his business, was it? He was actually a banker by profession. Yes, he founded the Treadgold Banking House. But furniture was his hobby. And he passed his interest on to his sons, who, with their sons, continued to add to the collection throughout the 19th century. And now it's administered by trustees, of whom you are the chairman. A uh, chairperson, I think, since we are not living in the Middle Ages. Yes, I beg your pardon. It is one of the finest collections of furniture in existence, isn't it? It is certainly the finest private collection, and it is on permanent exhibition to the public. Anyone who wishes can see it at Reavers Court five days during the week. In fact, it's a national asset. Oh, very much so. I doubt if anyone would dispute that. And now its existence is threatened. It's threatened in this country. An American collector has offered seven million pounds for it. An offer the trustees cannot afford to refuse. No one regrets that more than I. But mounting costs, high rate of taxation and anticipated death duties make acceptance inevitable. Is there no way out of the situation? Certainly there is, if the government will act. I have offered the entire collection to the government for five million pounds. You are prepared to let it go to the government for two million pounds less than the American is offering? I am, if that will preserve it for the nation. Can you tell us who this American collector is? That is a confidential matter at the moment. But if the government react favorably to my proposal, I will, of course, give them all the relevant information. Of course. But the government has not reacted so far. Their only reaction has been to say that they are looking into the matter. But where precisely they are looking has been beyond me to discover. And presumably there is a time limit to these negotiations. Yes, there is. The American offer cannot remain open indefinitely. Unless a counter-offer is forthcoming very shortly, I shall have to accept it. And that, unfortunately, due to pressure of time is all we can say at the moment.
Uh, Lady Constance, I hope you succeed in your campaign to save the Treadgold Collection. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for hearing me. I wish someone was chasing me with seven million. Uh, Have you heard of the Treadgold Collection? Of course. It's been in all the papers. Haven't you read about it? Can't say I have. Oh, Gally, really? What do you do with your spare time? Snooze quietly. Look. In the car mirror. The green rose turning into the car park? That's him. I'll get out and stroll over in a minute. Uh, do you want me to wait? Might as well. This is just a sounding session. I don't suppose it'll take much time. He'll probably drive round the park once and drop me back here. Is that the way murders usually get fixed up? Driving round Richmond Park in green Rolls Royces? Far worse ways of doing things. It ensures confidentiality. It's cosy. Well, I trust it stays that way. Cosy crimes carried out confidentially. Well, I hope you know what you're getting mixed up with. I don't. That's just what I've got to find out. Wish me luck. I'd better. You'll probably need it. Afternoon, Sir Darrell. Get in, Hatch. Quickly. I don't want to hang about. Okay. We'll take a turn around the park. Well, have you thought about it? What we discussed the other day, yes. And what conclusions have you come to? I'd like to hear more. About the terms? Well, the terms are all right. Very good, in fact. And what is it you want to know, precisely? I can't help wondering what makes you think I'm right for the job. I know a great deal more about you than you suspect, Hatch. I didn't pick you at random out of a hat. I made very careful inquiries about you. That sounds ominous. What did you find out? Quite enough. You call yourself a security consultant. That's just a cover term. You're a private eye. Now, that's how I started. That's how you're going on. Supposing I am. What's wrong with that? Nothing at all. What makes you right for the job? Private eyes cut corners and sail near the wind. They know the tricks of the trade. And they're not particularly scrupulous in putting them to good effect. Well, that's true of some. That's true of you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be wasting my time talking. Don't try to bluff me, Hatch. I haven't got where I am today by letting people pull wool over my eyes. Well, I'm sure you haven't. Coal stores and warehouses aren't acquired in large numbers by someone lacking in business acumen. I'll agree that your description of private eyes is a fair summary. It's a fair summary of you. Be that as it may, what you indicated the other day seems to involve rather more than cutting corners and sailing near the wind. It does. It means carrying matters as far as it's possible to carry them. Look, let's get to the point. You want me to kill someone. It has nothing to do with me, Hatch. In this affair, I am not the principal. You mean you're acting on behalf of someone else? Yes, I am. I see. Uh, when do I meet him? You'll meet him as soon as you're sure in your own mind about undertaking what's required of you. It's difficult to be sure about anything unless you know the details. You'll learn the details from him. All I want to know now is that you're prepared to pursue the matter. Oh, yes, I'm prepared to do that. I'm not surprised. I thought you would be. I'm glad I come up to your estimation. It's not estimation, Hatch. It's sizing up. Know-how. Lack of scruples. That's why I picked you. Enjoy a walk. Only on a fine day. It is a fine day. We've come just over a mile. It won't take you long to get back. I gather you want me to get out? Yes. Since we've nothing further to discuss at the moment. I see. Very good. You're right. 
It is a fine day. When do we two meet again? You will know when I get in touch with you. Goodbye, Hatch. Goodbye. Charming manners. Have you got the office key? Yes. Here we are. After you. Thank you. What I can't understand is how I achieved that sort of reputation in Ford's eyes. Who's been putting all these stories around? You haven't been gossiping by any chance. Gally, if I gossiped, you'd be serving a life sentence. Ever since I joined the firm, you've always gone as far as you thought necessary to get results. And that since you went respectable as a security consultant. Heaven knows what happened in the days when you were an inquiry agent. I'll tell you, strictly in confidence. I never actually murdered anyone. Theft I always just avoided. Blackmail I only practiced in order to bring criminals to justice. I broke and entered on occasions in order to find out what was going on, but never took anything. I did tell a lie sometimes, but that was only to the Inland Revenue. Galley, look. Why don't you pull out now, while there's time? What am I supposed to pull out of? Oh, for heaven's sake, aren't you being engaged to murder someone? No, you never actually mentioned murder or used the word kill. But you said he spoke about carrying matters as far as it is possible to carry them. Oh, he keeps talking like that. I presume he's referring to murder. But he may just be talking about paying one's income tax. Galley, really? Listen, I've got to pursue this matter in order to find out what it's all about. If I pull out now and someone gets killed, it won't look too good when I make a public statement that I suspected something nasty was going to happen, but prefer to pass by on the other side. You could go to the police. Well, to tell them what? That there's an obnoxious man with terrible manners who keeps dropping sinister hints. I don't want to get known in the metropolitan area as Sissy Hatch. Oh, you're impossible. I don't know why I work for you. I'll tell you, because I pay you a damn sight more than you deserve. Now stop resting with my conscience and answer that phone. Hatch Security, Olga speaking. Oh, Geoffrey, nice to hear from you. It's a long time. Yes. Yes. The Treadgold Collection. Well, I'm sure he would. What is the name? Walter Crowley Snell. Wait a minute, I'll write that number down. 930-1928. Right, I'll pass that straight to Galley. Surely. And get back to you if there are any queries. Will do. Geoffrey, that's very kind of you. Extremely grateful. I'll get on to him straight away. Yes, of course. Bye for now. How extraordinary. What was all that about? It was Geoffrey Howard, in a tearing hurry, as usual. Oh, that antique dealer friend of yours. That's right. Apparently, the Treadgold trustees want to get in touch with us. Oh, the Treadgold trustees? Yes, you know, the Treadgold collection. Furniture. We heard Lady Constance Treadgold talking on the radio about it. Oh, yes, I'm with you. All this recent publicity has made them nervous about their security arrangements. Geoffrey has given your name to Walter Crowley Snell, the fine arts expert who's advisor to the collection. He wants to contact you right away. That's why I'm ringing him now. OK, good enough. Walter Crowley Snell, it's a name I seem to know. Oh, it, it crops up in the press quite a lot. Only the other day I was reading all about how... Uh, hello? Is that Mr Snell's house? Could I speak to Mr Snell, please? Oh, that is Mr Snell. 
Mr. Snell, this is Hatch Security. Jeffrey Howard suggested we should contact you. Uh, Mr. Hatch is in the office now. Would you like to speak? Uh, yes, of course. Hold on, I'll ask him. Mr. Snell wonders if you could get round to see him now. Where does he hang out? Can you give us your address, Mr. Snell? Flat 16, Tresham Court, Cadogan Gardens. Just off Sloan Square. It'll take about ten minutes. Yes, tell him. Mr. Hatch can get round very shortly, Mr. Snell. Will that be okay? All right, then. Thank you. Goodbye. He'll be delighted to see you. Full of charm. Very oldy-worldy. But at least that's a pleasant change from Dr. Brutal. Mr. Snell? Yes? I'm Galloway Hatch, Hatch Security. Oh, Mr. Hatch, of course, my dear sir. Do come in. Thank you. To tell you the truth, sir, I was not expecting you quite so soon. You got here with remarkable dispatch, if I may say so. My office is only ten minutes away. Ah, that explains it. No hat or coke? Oh, obviously not. No, I just got in my car and drove straight round. Well, then let us go through. Um, after you, please. Thank you. Good heavens. This is some room. I hope it beats with your approval. Oh, yes, indeed. Very unusual. Quite a spectacle. Put on for the delectation of my visitors. Oh, it's delectable, all right. And it must represent a small fortune. Oh, mostly bric-a-brac, you know. There are some good things, but it's just a show. I like flaunting my good taste. I don't blame you. You've certainly got some to flaunt. Oh, my dear sir, a very just repost. Uh, do sit down, Mr. Hatch. Thank you. I gather my good friend Geoffrey Howard has been in touch with you. Yes, he phoned just before we rang you. You know him well? Well, actually, he's a friend of my assistant, Olga Clay. But I did a security check for him a couple of years ago, and he seemed well pleased with my recommendations. Oh, he spoke most appreciatively of you. Did he explain what I wanted to talk about? I gathered it was to do with the Treadgold collection. Exactly. I imagine the recent publicity it has been getting has caused some concern about security arrangements. Oh, it has, most definitely. With these large sums of money being bandied about, it uh, it makes one nervous. In that case, a security check is a good idea. In my experience, it's never a bad idea at any time. Oh, my dear sir, right you are. Those are my very words to Lady Constance. And, of course, with sums like seven million being broadcast, just the time when thieves break in and steal. What would you like me to do about it? Well, in the first place, I think you should see Constance as soon as possible. Could you by any chance get down to Reaver's Court today? Yes, I could, if you will tell me where it is. Of course, I'll, uh, I'll ring Constance now. Oh, oh, excuse me. Hello? Ah, Constance, I was just about to ring you. Yes, I have Mr. Hatch with me now. He can come down this afternoon. Ah, uh, yes, the sooner the better. I'll ask him. Um, what about four o'clock, Mr. Hatch? Hmm, yeah, yes, he's nodding. Four o'clock, then. I'll give him the directions. Yes, of course. Goodbye, my dear. Lady Constance will be glad to see you. Reaver's Court, how do I get there? Straight down the A3, past Guildford, and turn off at Harefield. Yes, I know the turning. You go through Harefield, take the first on the right, and almost immediately you come to big gates with a long drive. And that's Reaver's Court. You can't miss it. 
You find Lady Constance a most remarkable person, Mr. Hatch. A grand dame of the old school. Well, she sounded rather like it on the radio. Oh, she is. Someone once described her as a cross between Florence Nightingale and Cardinal Wolsey. Sounds a good mix. A most impressive person. Well, thank you for giving me your time so promptly, Mr. Hatch. I'm sure your advice will prove invaluable. I believe I can be of help. By the way, just one point. With whom should I discuss terms? Ah, that is not to be overlooked. Thank you for reminding me. I think it should be me. Could you give me any guidance in the matter? Yes, I think so. For example, to take a case you know about, I charged Geoffrey Howard £500. That was for his gallery and basement storage. And his offices. I also revamped his insurance. I see. Yes, well, that seems very reasonable. I should imagine Reaver's court would be a more complex proposition. Oh, yes, undoubtedly. Rest assured, there's no lack of funds, Mr. Hatch. I'm glad to hear it. That's always a help. And now, before you go, um, let me offer you a parting libation. Libation sounds a bit much. Uh, could you make it a small snifter? Well, of course. I have some excellent amontillado. That'd be most acceptable. Oh, uh, by the way, Mr. Hatch, before you send in your estimate, uh, perhaps we could have a brief discussion. A discussion? What about, exactly? A minor item. A small percentage, easily lost. You mean an invisible loading? Yes. You can put it that way. The perks of the trade, you know what I mean. Introduction money. Introduction money? Introduction money? That's what he said. Well, whoever for? Whoever introduced us. Your friend, presumably. Geoffrey, I don't believe it. Well, there you are. Estelle didn't elaborate and I didn't pursue the matter. Geoffrey wouldn't want introduction money. He's not a contact man. I must confess, I was a bit surprised. I should think so. What sort of impression did you get of Snell? Very oldy-worldy, as you said. All charm and good taste, and a pretty crafty mind behind that fuddy-duddy manner. You're telling me. And as big an expert at feathering his own nest as he is on furniture and fine arts. More than likely. Mightn't be a bad idea if you did some legwork in the matter. Meaning what, exactly? Find out what you can about the gentleman. Start with who's who. Contact professional acquaintances. Well, Geoffrey's the obvious person to start with. That's right. Take him out to lunch. You know, the firm's way of showing his appreciation. Get him talking about Snell. His background, reputation in the trade, anything fishy, that sort of thing. And when you think the moment's right, touch on introduction money. Geoffrey'll go up in smoke. I'll see that he comes down solid, with information. You're the expert at getting all the gossip, I don't have to tell you. I'm only going on my impression about Snell. But I'm sure there's something dubious there. It doesn't smell right. See what you can track down. All right. I'll do my best. Good girl. And while you're about it, you might also put in some research on little Lord Fauntleroy. Who? Oh, you mean Sir Darrell Ford. Well, where do I start with him? Try finding out about his title. Why? Do you think it may be bogus? I wouldn't be surprised. After all, what's he got it for? Storing ice cream in old masters? And I'm sure he's no baronet. Anyway, see what you can discover. Meanwhile, I'll get down to Reaver's Court and talk to someone whose title's not in question. Come in, Mr. Hatch. Lady Constance. Walter told me to expect you at four, and here you are. No difficulty in finding your way, I take it. None at all. 
Do sit down, Mr. Hatch. Thank you. Oh, just excuse me for one moment. Uh, Margaret, I shall be taking Mr. Hatch round the exhibition. I I'll sign those letters when I come back. Very good, Lady Constance. Margaret is my loyal and faithful secretary. Very overworked these days with all this correspondence. Your negotiations with the government? And with the American bidder, who never ceases to press me. I don't know how much longer I can hold out, Mr. Hatch. No, it must be very difficult for you. Anything to do with the government is difficult. Fortunately, my friends in high places have indicated that things are beginning to move in my direction. I imagine your broadcast today will have helped. Oh, yes. It, it came just at the right moment, apparently. One of my Whitehall contacts rang only a few minutes ago to tell me. It sounds as if it shouldn't be long before you get a decision. I think that may well be. I don't want to talk myself out of a job, Lady Constance, but in the circumstances... Oh, Mr. Hatch, I, I'm sure that Walter Snell is quite right to insist on having this security check. He's been in touch with our insurance people, and they agree. Well, in that case... Well, now, let me take you round. But I live in this flat in the West Wing, which gives me ample accommodation. Hmm. Uh, the exhibition closes at four, so we can walk about there now quite freely. Oh, good. And this is my private door, which gives me access to it. And here we are, back in the main hall. And that completes the exhibition. It does. Any other space is taken up by storage. Covers quite an area, doesn't it? Eight large rooms. Patrolling them is quite a healthy exercise. May I look at that plan again, just to refresh my memory? Here you are. The Italian room, leading to the French and Viennese rooms, the mahogany oak and walnut rooms, and two rooms housing European lacquer and Gothic revival furniture. They all lead out of one another, and the only means of access is either through the public entrance or the private entrance from your flat. That is correct. And you have two custodians on duty every day during public hours, and a night watchman who takes over when the exhibition closes. Yes, they're all on duty throughout the week. In fact, the exhibition is patrolled at all times. It is. And so far, no one has ever succeeded in breaking into the premises. To the best of my knowledge, no one has ever even tried. Now, what other points have we covered? All the windows are well secured and double barred, and the warning system sounds off in the staff room, your flat, and the local police station. You have certificates of regular inspection. Oh, they're in my office. Good. Well, is there anything else for me to see? I don't think so, Mr. Hatch. Well, in that case... Let us return to the flat. Lady Constance, there's one point. Even with the carefully regulated temperature and humidity which is maintained here, the exhibits must suffer a certain wear and tear. Oh, yes. And they're all subject to regular inspection. And who carries that out? Uh, Mr. Snell. He looks after the collection as well as advising the committee about any additions. Where does he look after it? Down here? The inspections are carried out here. Any renovations or refurbishings which are required are carried out in town at his workshops. With what sort of frequency? Oh, once or twice a year. Here we are. Please go through, Mr. Hatch. Thank you. And now let me offer you some tea. Oh, that's very kind of you, Lady Constance, but I ought to be getting back. Ah, well, in that case, I won't try to detain you. Excuse me, Lady Constance. Oh, excuse me. Yes, Margaret, what is it? A phone call. Oh, who is it? I don't know. He wouldn't give his name. He's been hanging on for a couple of minutes. Really? Oh, I know. It's the press. One of my contacts. There may be news for me. Will you excuse me, Mr. Hatch? Oh, please don't wait. 
I'll say goodbye to you now. Goodbye, Lady Constance. I'll send you my recommendations. Thank you. Show Mr. Hatch out, Margaret. Yes, Lady Constance. This way, Mr. Hatch. Thank you. Hello? Darrell, I wasn't expecting you. Goodbye, Mr. Hatch. You do know your way back to the A3. Thank you, I do. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. Morning, Galley. There's a lot of mail on your desk. So I see. What have we got apart from bills? Oh, there are one or two inquiries. How did it go yesterday? Oh, nothing unexpected. The lady's not a dragon? Well, let's say she's a lady dragon. <laughs> there was something, though. Oh, what sort of something? After we'd been round the exhibition, there was a phone call waiting for her. She went to take it and I pushed off. Just as I went through the door, I heard her say, Darrell, I wasn't expecting you. Darrell's not a very common name. No, it isn't. You're thinking of Ford? Probably just a coincidence, but let's bear it in mind. How did you get on with your inquiry? Oh, very well. Geoffrey was full of gossip. Did you learn anything? Quite a lot. How did he react to introduction money? <laughs> oh, he laughed at that. He seemed to think Snell had himself in mind. When I pointed out that Snell was acting on behalf of the trustees and taking introduction money in the circumstances was hardly ethical, he said it was aesthetics, not ethics, that Snell was interested in. Well, that's one way of putting it. Was it some kind of a hint, do you think? It might have been, especially in view of what he said later. Tell me. Well, I was careful to let the wine flow and not to press him. And by the time we got to coffee and liqueurs, I didn't have to. <laughs> He told me quite a lot about the problems of his particular market. Reproductions and so forth, especially faking problems. And that's when he let out something about Snell. Go on. About three years ago, apparently, Snell took him up to his workshops and, under conditions of great secrecy, showed him a Louis Quinze escritoire, which Geoffrey said must have been worth a fortune. When Geoffrey asked him where he got it, Snell laughed and told him it was a replica copied by his own people. Well, Geoffrey couldn't believe him, so Snell told him to examine it. Geoffrey did so, and still insisted it was the genuine article. Then Snell drove him down to Reaver's court, took him round the exhibition, and showed him the original. In the French room, presumably. That's right. It was the centrepiece. I think I remember it. So, what conclusion did Geoffrey come to after all that? That he'd been mistaken, but understandably because it was such an incredible copy. And what was the final outcome? Oh, uh, Snell said it was a one-off, an experiment to see what could be done. It would be locked up in his vaults and never see the light of day again. Did Geoffrey believe him? I think so. He pointed out that Snell's standing was too high for him to run risks with the Treadgold collection. Oh, I dare say. But what about other directions? If you can copy one thing perfectly, you can copy another. Yes, I know. 
When I raised that point, all Geoffrey would say was that this was a funny old world and you never knew what was round the corner. You can say that again, especially when it comes to smell. I'm beginning to have increasing doubts about that gentleman. What exactly do you think he's up to? I don't know. Something pretty devious. He's not a straightforward villain like Ford. Oh, him. I nearly forgot. No sign of a title. You checked with the College of Heralds? Yes, Burke Debrett the lot. Not a sniff. It looks like a phony. Fake furniture? Fake titles? What am I getting myself into? A murder, apparently. Perhaps that's a fake, too. I wonder. I must remember to ask the dear boy when he rings me. Hello? Hatch? Yes? I've sent the car round for you. You what? It should be with you in seven minutes. Seven minutes? What are you talking about? Who is that? Ford. Sir Darrell Ford. Don't you recognise my voice, Hatch? Get up. Get up and get dressed. Look here, Ford. What is all this? Do you know what time it is? Of course I do. 2.13, precisely. Yes, in the morning, the small hours. I know that, Hatch. I can tell night from day. It's more than I can at the moment. What's all this about? There's someone you have to meet. Don't you remember what we arranged? Yes, I do, but I didn't anticipate Listen, Hatch, this. you've just over six minutes before my chauffeur calls. The drive to my house will take 11. You'll find a party going on. Take no notice of my guests. The chauffeur will conduct you to me. I say, you've got it all worked out, haven't you? Oh, don't waste my time, Hatch. Get up and get dressed. My chauffeur will be with you in five minutes and 40 seconds. That's in round numbers, I take it. Five minutes and 38 seconds, precisely. Get up and get dressed, Hatch. And don't keep me waiting. I shall know what to do soon if he keeps repeating himself. This way, Mr. Hatch, please. Just follow me, sir. Lead on, my friend. I'm with you. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, Sir Darrell. Oh, Hatch. You're all right, Smith. Thank you, sir. Come with me, Hatch. Where are we going? You'll see. This way. Here we are. After you. Go in, Hatch. Very well. This is the library. Evidently. Sit down on the table, Hatch. This end. Okay. Now, in ten minutes' time, at three o'clock, all the lights in here will go out. And the man you are to meet will come through that door. Is our conversation going to take place entirely in the dark? No. There's a reading lamp at the top of the table, which he will switch on. He'll be able to see you quite clearly, but you will only just be aware of him. I advise you to keep things that way and not indulge your curiosity. I'll try to resist the temptation. But why all this mystery? Now don't pretend to be naive, Hatch. You don't expect a client to reveal his identity in a matter of this kind. And I warn you not to try to discover it. I take your point. Aren't you going to be there? No. As I already explained, I'm not the principal in this matter, only the intermediary. Whatever's arranged is entirely between you and him. 
So, I'm to make a deal with a man whose name I don't know and whose face I can't see. Well, that's entirely up to you. You know the terms. £30,000. How will that be paid? He will give you all the details. All right. I'll wait on him, then. You will, if you want the cash. And when everything's arranged, what then? He will leave by that door, and you will leave by this one. My chauffeur will be waiting in the corridor. He'll drive you back to your place. And after that? You'll get instructions when the time is right. And now I'll leave you, Hatch. Remember, three o'clock. And don't try any tricks. Here we go. Nine minutes to lift off. I can see who I'm talking to. That's rather more than I can say, with that light right in my face. Uh, that's as intended. You're quite clear what this meeting is about, Mr. Hatch? A contract to kill, isn't it? Yes, a contract. You fulfill your side, and we fulfill ours. Have you any questions? A few. Well, let's hear them. I'd like to be filled in on some minor details. Such as? Such as when, where, who, why, and how. <laughs> you don't want to know much, do you? I want to know enough. I don't mind talking in the dark, but acting in the dark is against my principles. All right. I'll start with how. The man you're going to kill will be shot dead with a silenced automatic. The killing will occur at his place, and he himself will give you the weapon. That sounds very obliging of him. This isn't a suicide by arrangement, is it? No, no. He will be quite unaware of what is going to happen. He will be under the impression that you are acting as a courier. A courier? What am I supposed to be carrying? Cash. To be flown out of the country? By private charter. What part of the world? He'll tell you. How much is involved? 30,000. Pounds? Uh-huh. I've heard that sum mentioned before. Your hit fee. What you're paying me for the job. Is that a coincidence? An intentional one. The money he hands you will have been passed to him earlier in the day in a locked security case. But only you will have the key which will have already been sent you. That is the agreed arrangement. He will expect you to unlock the case and check the contents in his presence. Naturally, since you open it, it'll be turned towards you. And you will see what's in it before he does. I get it. There won't only be money. Correct. There'll be a Smith & Wesson automatic on top of the cash. So, I kill the guy and get my contract fee in one. Very neat. Very neat. Provided there's no double-crossing. Everything will go very smoothly if we keep our side of the bargain and you keep yours. Supposing I don't? Supposing I just hold the guy up and take the money and run? What's to stop me? <laughs> oh, 
Nemesis, Mr. Hatch. Nemesis. You mean you get me in the end? We'd get you the next day. I think you probably would. You can be rest assured. As I said, you stick to your side and we'll stick to ours. And just to prove that we mean business, I'm prepared to show you the color of our cash. Would you care to see it? I wouldn't mind. Uh, here's the case. The money's inside. Coming over. Thanks. Where's the key? It's unlocked. Take a look. <laughs> Go on, satisfy yourself. Check it through. <laughs> 20 pound notes in 500 pound bundles. Correct. It won't take long to check through that. On the day, you can hold him at gunpoint while you do so. Yes, I can. And who, by the way, is he? Why do you want to know? Because I don't like shooting people I haven't been introduced to. It's something I insist on. In fact, it's a condition of carrying this through. Uh, in that case, you've nothing to worry about. You know him already. I do. Who is he? His name is Walter Crowley Snell. <laughs> I doubt it. Callie, you must. And tell them what? To begin with, the whole thing is highly improbable. I haven't a shred of evidence to support my statement. If questioned, four will simply deny everything. And as far as I'm concerned, the nameless man I met in the library is just a voice out of the darkness. You must have got some impression of him. Very little. The reading lamp was shining right in my face. He had an American accent, and somehow... I have an idea he had a beard and was wearing glasses, but I simply couldn't swear to it. Well, you'd have to warn Snell. Well, what do I tell him? Uh, Mr. Snell, I'm being paid a very large sum to kill you. Well, how do you think he'll react to that? If he's as fuddy-duddy as he sounds, I should think he'd have a heart attack. He'll either do that or ask for introduction money. Oh. <laughs> no, I can't do anything until I've got something definite to go on, such as the key of the security case with the time and date for carrying out the contract. Then at least I have one piece of concrete evidence to offer the police. But will you be able to give them any idea of what's behind it all? I mean, why should anyone want to bump Snell off? And how does Ford tie in with the man in the library? Those are just the two questions I've been asking myself. I didn't go back to bed when I got home last night. I sat up, going over all the facts I knew about the case. Did you reach any conclusions? Hardly conclusions. At this stage of the game, they're more like guesses. Let's hear you guessing. All right. Let's start with Snell. Why should anyone want to bump him off? My impression is that he's a very crafty, pretty devious sort of character. A slippery customer who might make anyone involved in a big deal with him go to extremes. A big deal? Uh, you mean connected with furniture? No, of course. 
You remember Snell showed your friend Geoffrey Howard a wonderful replica of a Louis XV escritoire, which was so good that Geoffrey refused to believe it was a copy? Until Snell took him down to Reva's court and showed him the original. Yes. Well, I believe Geoffrey was right the first time. What? It was the original he was shown at Snell's workshops and the copy which he saw at Reva's court. Yes, but surely... I know. He examined the so-called copy very carefully. But how carefully did he examine the so-called original? My guess is that when he was assured he was seeing the original standing in the collection, he took Snell's word for it. What was Snell up to? It was a test. Snell, or Snell's craftsman, had achieved a perfect copy. Snell wanted to find out if it would deceive an expert standing alongside original exhibits. He reckoned that if he could pull wool over an expert eye, he could be pretty sure of getting away with it when he substituted other replicas for the most valuable originals. The test he carried out with Geoffrey was the severest test possible, and when it succeeded, he knew he was onto a good thing. You mean purloining the Treadgold collection? Or the most valuable part of it, by degrees, over a period of time. Under the very nose of the old lady? Oh, yes. Theft by substitution. Callie! Is it possible? I think so. But I'm only guessing. Suppose you're right. How would Ford come into it? There's no evidence that he does. Oh, don't tell me he doesn't know what's going on. I wouldn't dream of it. Strictly speaking, all I know is that he's acting as a go-between for me and the man in the library. But obviously he's mixed up in the conspiracy. Conspiracy? And to rob old Constance Treadgold. If they get away with it, some million pounds worth. It'll go down in history as the Treadgold Conspiracy. Big stuff. High stakes. No wonder it's adding up to murder. Now, that depends in the end who does the adding up. I'll tell you how I think Ford comes into it. Having solved the problem of removing the originals and substituting copies, Snell was faced with a problem of disposal. After all, you can hardly go around hawking purloin pieces from the Treadgold on the open market. Oh, no you'd have to sell them off surreptitiously to private buyers. Collectors with more money than scruples who'd know what they were getting but would keep their mouths shut. Now, that takes time. And it needs storage and distribution. So, you look around for someone with storage facilities, preferably furniture repositories, and you find that Ford has got these, both in Europe and America. And you do a deal? You bet you do, on a percentage of the profits. But being Ford, it was a pretty high percentage. That didn't satisfy Snell, naturally. So he told Ford he was getting lower prices than he actually was. And when Ford found out, that didn't satisfy him. So he decided to get Snell disposed of and take over the business? Not quite. What? He went into partnership with someone else who wanted to dispose of Snell. The American in the library... The man, I suspect, who has offered Lady Constance seven million for the Treadgold collection. But if he's prepared to buy the Treadgold... Provided it's genuine. Not if half of it's fake. Very successful men, millionaires particularly, don't like being taken for a ride. Especially by fuddy-duddy fine arts experts who give themselves airs while trying to crook you. How did he find out? Ford? I imagine so. Ford probably spilled the beans about what was going on and made it clear that it wasn't the Treadgold collection the American was going to buy, but a collection of fakes. At the same time, he must have pointed out that if Snell was eliminated, the American could take over Snell's share of the market. This would enable him to get the best of the Treadgold collection, now lying in various Ford repositories, at Ford's price. 
well below what Constance was asking. And, of course, Ford would benefit by that arrangement because he'd no longer need the sales contacts Snell had been providing. Oh, yes. It's an arrangement which suits everyone. <laughs> Except Lady Constance. And Snell, of course. It's a pretty cold-blooded arrangement where he's concerned. They're pretty cold-blooded people. I suspect that if Ford were ever to donate his blood, it would be found to be just above freezing. Golly. What are you going to do? Try and get a hold of some evidence. How? I think Snell is the key figure. It must have all started with him. If I knew a bit more what he was up to. Oh, yes. Just as you could if you were to hide under the sofa and overhear what goes on in the flat. You've got it. Oh, dear. Here we go. Well, how are you going to get in to bug the place? Breaking and entering? No, nothing crude like that. I thought of another way. I'll need your assistance. Hello? Uh, Mr. Snell? Uh, this is Galloway Hatch. Oh, Mr. Hatch, how are you? Uh, very well, uh, but I have one or two problems. What sort of problems? Well, the estimates for these security arrangements costs are going to be rather more than I'd expected. Oh, that doesn't surprise me, Mr. Hatch. The shock would be if they were less than you'd anticipated. Oh, I'm so glad you understand. I'd like to talk the matter over with you. By all means. Mm, could I come over? Of course. When would you like? When would be convenient? I'm in all morning. Oh, in that case, I'll drop straight round. Splendid. I look forward to seeing you. Sit down, Mr. Hatch. Thank you. Now, how can we help one another? I was rather wondering if you could advise me. Well, I should be delighted to try to do so. I've been going through these security notes I made down at Reavers Court the other day. Ah, yes. Lady Constance was telling me about your visit. There's something that troubles me a little... I would say that present arrangements, on the whole, are pretty good. Well, I'm delighted to hear it. Of course, one can always do better. Advances are constantly being made. The warning system, for instance, was installed seven years ago. Uh, there have been considerable technological developments since then. But I got the police to test it, and it is perfectly satisfactory. Good. Excellent. Naturally, I want to do the best for my clients, but not to run them into expense which may not be strictly necessary. In view of the possibility of the government acting in the very near future... I see just what you mean, Mr. Hatch. I very much appreciate your scrupulous concern and, of course, your consulting me about it. What sort of expenditure do you envisage if all your recommendations are put through? Well, in the event of installing a new warning system, closed-circuit surveillance, magic eye and other developments, somewhere between... Eight and nine thousand. And then, of course, there will be your fee, expenses, and uh, other considerations. I don't think that eleven or twelve thousand pounds is going to worry anyone, Mr. Hatch. Really? Well, I'm happy to hear it. And I'm very happy you came to see me. Particularly as I have a matter I would like to discuss with you. Oh, yes? Well, please tell me about it. Uh, let me pour you a drink. That's very kind of you. A Montelado? A Montelado would be fine. Mr. Hatch, this is a confidential matter. I should say very confidential. I understand. It involves a transaction requiring an extremely responsible person with, um, well, how shall I put it? Savoir-faire. You'd like me to find you someone? I don't think you need look further than yourself, Mr. Hatch. I see. 
What is the nature of the transaction? The transfer of a large sum of money to a continental bank. You're looking for a courier? Quite right. Would you be interested, Mr. Hatch? Certainly I'd be interested. In that case, have you got a moment to discuss the matter? All the time in the world. Good. Um, just let me take this phone call. Mm. Uh, will, will, will you excuse oh. me? No, 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 please don't. Hello? He hello, who is it? I can't hear you. I, I say, I can't hear you. Please speak more clearly. What is it you want? What is it you want? Oh, some hysterical woman I can't make out. Yes, I am, Mr. Snell. What do you want? What? A fire? Did you say a fire? Oh, my God. A fire at my workshops. Hello. 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 Oh, damn her. She's gone. Oh, this is awful. Try ringing the workshop number. Workshop, yes, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Come on, come on. The line's engaged. What on earth am I to do? Where's your car? My car? In the forecourt. I, I, I must go, Mr. Hatch. Will, will you excuse me? Oh, of course, you get off. Thank you. Thank you so much. Goodbye, Mr. Hatch. Hello, action is planned. See you. You did a very good job. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Always happy to oblige. He got thoroughly rattled when you mentioned fire and simply did what I told him. I thought he sounded as if he was getting pretty confused. That part wasn't difficult. My worry was making sure I got the line to the workshops engaged before he got through. Oh, you managed that all right. He rang off immediately. He got the engage signal. No, the whole operation went very well. I trust you had no problems with the bugging. Oh, none at all. I stuck pinhead pickups in the door lintels and the recording apparatus under a cupboard shelf. That's the one place no one ever thinks of looking. It starts on voice? Oh, yes, and can take plenty. There was only one drawback. What was that? When you phoned in, he was just beginning to sound me out about this courier business. You mean getting money out of the country? The thing the man in the library brought up? Yes. Unfortunately, Snell didn't get as far as the nitty-gritty. What I want to know is why he needs a courier now. If what I suspect is true, he's been getting money out of the country and evading the inland revenue for a long time. And he must have a system of transfer all lined up. Well, perhaps he has, but uses a different courier every time. If you stick to one man for that kind of job, you're rather playing into his hands. Too true. Anyway, I'm sure Snell will be on to me again soon, and when he does... I'll dig a little deeper. It does rather look as if things are getting close to takeoff. Yes, it does. I wish we knew more for certain. What about your inquiries? Have you managed to glean anything further? I have, as a matter of fact. What about? Ford. Oh, good. Let's hear. According to what I could discover, Ford started his storage business over in Ireland with scenery docking. He used to lease storage space in towns where local theatres were cramped for room. Later, he came over here and gradually built up his whole warehousing business. But originally, 
He started as an actor. An actor? Yes, a pretty bad one, I gather. I heard that from a friend of mine who remembers touring with him. Oh, years ago, after the war. He used to play heavies. Eventually, he gave it up and started his scenery business. But his acting name wasn't Ford. Well, what was it? Garstang. C.D.F. Garstang. Everyone called him Charlie. He was a terrible ham, apparently. He still is, and the ham's gone off. I wonder... What? C.D.F. Garstang. Charles Darrell Ford. What about that? Yes! Of course, more than likely. That would explain that phone call. Do you remember my mentioning a telephone call which came through for the old girl when I was down at Reaver's Court? Just as you were leaving. Uh, something about Darrell. That's right. Darrell, I wasn't expecting you. I didn't hear any more because the front door closed. You think it was Ford? Well, it's beginning to look more and more like it. You mean he actually went out of his way to get to know the old girl? Well, he must have. I mean, how else would he have come across her? It's hardly likely he normally moved in her circles. Well, in that case, Snell would have introduced him. Yes, as part of the deal. Ford probably insisted on it. If you're taking someone for a ride, you want to know who you're taking. Oh, that certainly makes sense. But there, there could have been another reason. What are you getting at? The American millionaire. If Ford had it in mind to do a deal with him against Snell, the only way he could have contacted him was through the old lady. Of course, he wouldn't have gone through Snell. Snell was to be the victim. My God, Olga, I believe you're onto something. The identity of the American bidder's never been disclosed. If we could find that out, we might find out quite a lot of things. Finally, it was revealed today that the government has intervened over the Treadgold collection and has saved this unique display of furniture for the nation. A few minutes ago, Lionel Elder spoke to Lady Constance Treadgold. Lady Constance, you must be feeling extremely pleased at the government's decision. Uh, would you care to give us your reactions to the situation? Certainly. Without becoming hysterical, let me say that I am far from disappointed. I think you asked for five million pounds. Do you mind if I inquire if that sum was forthcoming? I don't mind your inquiring, and I'm sure you don't mind my not answering. I would simply say that negotiations were concluded to our mutual satisfaction. And you're quite happy about it? I'm perfectly happy. Wouldn't you be if you were in my place? <laughs> I'm sure I should. Uh, Lady Constance, what are your plans for the future? Many and varied, but I'm keeping them to myself. Don't you keep things to yourself, Mr. Elder? Well, some things, I suppose, Lady Constance. With reluctance, I imagine. You should try, Mr. Elder. It's great fun keeping things from people. But I suppose with that microphone in front of you all day long, uh, it's a great temptation to tell everyone everything. I hadn't really noticed, Lady Constance. I shall have to give it my attention. Uh, but I think I see what you're getting at. Thank you for being so frank with me. Not at all. Delighted to be of service. Thank you, Mr. Elder. Lionel Elder speaking to Lady Constance Treadgold. And now, here are the main headlines again. Hello, Reavers Court. Uh, 
this is Galloway Hatch, Hatch Security. Oh, Mr Hatch, you wish to speak to Lady Constance? If I may. Hold on, please. Thank you. Hello, Mr Hatch. Uh, Lady Constance, allow me to congratulate you on your success with the government. Oh, thank you, Mr Hatch. It was a famous victory. It was indeed. It only goes to show what can be done if you're prepared to fight and have friends in high places. I'm sure they can't. Lady Constance, in the light of the sale, I was wondering if I could come down and discuss one or two matters. Of course, Mr. Hatch. When would you care to come? Tomorrow afternoon? Thank you. That would suit very well. In that case, might I expect you about four? I'll be with you at four o'clock, Lady Constance. Some more tea, Mr. Hatch. Thank you. Your tea is excellent. A special brew. I'm so glad you like it. Now, you were telling me about your security recommendations. I'm halfway through preparing them. After my survey, I came to the conclusion that your present arrangements are very adequate. And a few days ago, I discussed with Mr. Snell whether the expense of installing new equipment was really justified. And what did Mr. Snell say to that? He thought that I should put my proposals forward on the grounds, I gathered, that trust funds would be perfectly adequate to deal with the sort of expenses which I outlined. I see. Well, if that's what he felt, I'm perfectly happy. I have the greatest regard for Mr. Snell's judgment. Oh, of course. It was just that with this latest announcement by the government, I rather wondered... You didn't expect results so quickly. As a matter of fact, I didn't. I'll let you into a secret, Mr. Hatch. I never count my chickens before their first lay, and I never announce that anything has taken place until well after it has happened. You mean your deal with the government went through some time ago? It did. Before your original broadcast? Yes, before my broadcast. Aye. I made it a condition of the deal that no announcement should be made until funds had actually been transferred to my account. I was able to bring the necessary pressure to bear to get my way because I offered Reavers Court as a permanent housing in addition to the collection itself. I see. One has to do these things, Mr. Hatch. You've no idea what happens when sticks and stones begin to turn to liquid gold. Thousands of grasping hands appear from nowhere, from the furthest corners of the earth. Yes. And before you know where you are, half the money is exhausted. Hmm. Well, this does rather put a different complexion on my security recommendations. They might involve as much as ten or twelve thousand. Don't worry, Mr. Hatch. Just carry on and complete them. And send them to you? Uh, no, not to me. To Mr. Snell. I'm pretty exhausted and... I'm going away on a long holiday. Well, I'm sure you deserve it. It's been a privilege meeting you, Lady Constance. And a pleasure to advise you. Thank you, Mr. Hatch. I was assured that I would find it so by quite a number of people, including Sir Darrell Ford. Sir Darrell Ford? No, I think you know him, don't you? Didn't you have a phone call from him when I was here last? Oh, Darrell, yes, of course. I didn't realise you knew him, Mr. Hatch. Oh, yes. In fact, I've just completed a security survey for his largest furniture repository. Really? A man of far-flung interests in the storage line. Was it furniture that originally brought you together? In a way, I suppose. He was very helpful in that he put me in touch with this American millionaire, whose bid for the collection enabled me to force the government's hand. I didn't realise that. Oh, yes. The strange thing was that I never actually met him. Uh, the American, I mean although he made a number of phone calls. He knew the collection inside out. He must have been round it any number of times, but I never met him personally. Oh, a trifle eccentric, I think. 
In a way, I, I was sorry the deal with him never went through. But I couldn't let the collection go out of the country. I simply had to fight to save it. Well, you have. And many people are grateful to you for it. Thank you, Mr. Hatch. What was his name, by the way? Who? The American. Oh, him. Uh, Margaret. Yes, Lady Constance? What was the name of our American friend who put in a bid for the collection? Uh, Garstang, Lady Constance. Garstang, of course. C.D.F. Garstang. <laughs> What good? Well, the American having the same names as Ford. C.D.F. Garstang. Oh, come off it. That's not one. That's four coincidences. Yes, it hardly seems likely. Just a bit too close to be chance. No, it's all part and parcel of the Treadgold conspiracy. You think Snell was in on it? Oh, he must have been. What I've got to figure out is how those two benefit by the old girl selling the collection. Isn't there any way of opening her eyes to what's going on? None that I can see. She's got the greatest confidence in Snell and obviously feels grateful to Ford for introducing the American. I hardly see that I can go to her at this stage in the proceedings and explain that Ford is the American, that half her collection is fake and that, albeit unconsciously, she sold the government a pub. I should think she'll have a fit. Well, she's pretty tough, but even so. Besides, she'd never believe me. So, what do you do next? That's exactly what I keep asking myself. Hatch Security? Oh, this is Walter Snell. Um, could I speak to Mr. Hatch, please? Oh, Mr. Snell. Uh, just a moment. I'll see if I can find him. Okay, I'll take it. Hello, Mr. Snell. How are you? Very well, thank you, Mr. Hatch. What did you find when you got to your workshop? Was it a very bad fire? Oh, thank you for inquiring. Well, I'm most glad to be able to tell you it wasn't a fire at all. It was all a hoax, then? It was all a hysterical woman, Mr. Hatch. I rather suspected it at the time, but obviously I didn't dare to disregard it. No, of course not. It was all a frightful nuisance and a complete waste of my time, but what can one do? Uh, what can I do for you, Mr. Snell? Ah, I was being carried away. If you remember, uh, that phone call interrupted a rather important conversation we were having. I do. It is fresh in your mind? I remember it clearly. If I understood rightly... Uh, you were interested in the proposal which I put forward. Yes, I was. Would you be free to carry out a mission the day after tomorrow? It would take about 24 hours. Uh, I think I would. Just let me look in my diary. Yes, that would be quite all right. Thursday the 24th. My flat at 3 o'clock. Uh, bring your passport with you. I'll give you all the details then. Very good, Mr. Snell. Thank you, Mr. Hatch. Next Thursday then... Goodbye. Goodbye. Now I know what to do. Hello? Is that you, Hatch? Yes, who's that? You know who it is. Now get up and get dressed. I want to see you. Oh, Dr. Brutal. What? 
another of your small R calls. You are a night bird. Don't waste my time. What about my time? Are you sending that big car over for me in six minutes, 53 seconds? Now, shut up, Hatch. You know the way over here. You drive your own car. Who's paying for the petrol? Stop being smart and get over here right away. I've got something for you. I'm glad to hear it. I always suspected you've got a generous streak. Get over here. Okay, Lord Ford. I'm nothing if not obliging. You always conduct your business in the middle of the night like this? That's my affair. I do what I choose to do. Remember, it's me who's paying. Oh, I can't forget it. Aren't you going to ask me to sit down? No. Too kind. Thursday the 24th. What? Three o'clock in the afternoon. What about it? I've been asked to check it with you. Ah, you're still acting as an intermediary. I told you I know nothing about this business. I simply carry out certain requests of the principal. And is one of them that you should hand over a certain key? Provided you satisfy me that you'll keep the appointment. Oh, I shall certainly do that. A lot depends on it. About 30,000 pounds. I'm not interested in the details. All right, here is the key. Thank you. If I may say so, you have a rather naive view of legal responsibility. What do you mean? Well, you can't act as a go-between paymaster and not have some idea as to what's going on. If all this ends up in court, you're not going to be able to stand up and plead that you weren't an accomplice. I didn't hire you to give me your legal opinion. I dare say you didn't. I'm giving it free. Well, mind your own business. Just concern yourself with carrying out instructions. Excuse me, I've got a good deal more than instructions to concern myself with. Just a little matter of possible life imprisonment. I don't mind sticking my neck out sometimes, but with those sort of odds, I don't like sticking it out in total darkness. What are you talking about? Clandestine meetings in unlit libraries with anonymous individuals plotting murder. If you didn't like the deal, why didn't you say so? You accepted it at the time. At the time, yes. But there were things I didn't know. Since then, I found out something. What have you found out? That the man I met here in the library, whom you refer to as the principal is none other than the American millionaire who put in a bid for the Treadgold collection. Who told you that? Never you mind. Furthermore, I've discovered his name. His name? Yes. What is it? C.D.F. Garstang. How did you work that one out? By putting two and two together. Well, you got your sums wrong. Now listen to me, Hatch. No, you listen to me, Ford. There was a very good reason for keeping everything as obscure as possible. Because C.D.F. Garstang never really existed. For Lady Constance, he was just a voice on the phone. And for me, he was just an impersonation. Oh, yes? Yes, by an actor of the same name. An Irish actor. A terrible ham who eventually got out of the profession via scenery docking and went into warehousing, cold storage and furniture repositories. Hatch! I'll kill you. Oh, no, you won't, Darrell Ford Garstang. That will complicate things too much when too much is at stake. We'll both carry on and see this business through. But you know that I know, and there'll be no double-crossing. Give me back that key. Not on your nelly. Give me that key. I said we'll both see this business through. Hatch! Goodbye, Ford. I want that key! Want away. You're not getting it, Mr. Ford. Well, sorry I can't address you by your title... I found that that too is phony. Are you really going to see this thing through? Of course. What time's the appointment? Three o'clock. Gally, I'm worried. So am I. I wish you'd tell me what you're going to do. I shall stick to the agreed plan. 
When Snell produces the case, I shall unlock it as if to count the cash and take out the gun. And what will you do then? I shall stick it in Snell's face, frighten the daylights out of the old so-and-so, and make him come clean. You think he'll spill the beans? I'm damn sure he will. Supposing Ford's tipped him off? What about? That he's hired me to kill him? <laughs> well, uh, well, supposing it comes off, what do you do next? Ah, that's the question. Are you going to tell the old lady? Well, I can hardly do that at the moment. She's out of the country. You'll go to the police? Probably. Depends what I find out. The whole situation's highly fraught and very delicate. Won't it put her in a terrible situation? I'm afraid it will. The government and its experts won't be too happy either, with egg all over their faces. What about you? What about me? I should have done nothing wrong. Just exposed the scandal of the century. I hope it works out that way. Don't be so optimistic. What's the time, by the way? Uh, just after half past two. I must go. Look after the office. Galley. Yes? Do take care. Of course I'll take care. I always do. Especially when I put the cat among the pigeons. Oh, Mr. Hatch. Oh, my dear sir. Three o'clock. You are expecting me. Oh, <laughs> Yes, of course. I, I, I'm afraid I was preoccupied. Uh, do come in. This way. Sit down, Mr. Hatch. Let me pour you a drink. Thank you. What shall it be? A liqueur? A liqueur would be fine. Grand Marnier? Excellent. I'm sorry our conversation was interrupted the other day. Perhaps we can go on from there. As you rightly concluded, this is a job for a courier, and the sum concerned is considerable. Ah, thank you. In point of fact, we never discuss terms. I was coming to that when the phone interrupted me. Your journey will take you to Geneva, uh, to a certain finance house whose name and address will be found in an envelope which I shall give you. You'll be flown there in a private plane, which will pick you up at an airstrip outside the London area. I'll give you all the details when I hand over the money. Now, as to terms, a thousand pounds. Five hundred now, five hundred on return. I won't quibble about that. Very good. Let me say that from our first meeting, you impressed me as being the man for the job. Someone of dependability and discretion. No. The sum concerned is large. Thirty thousand pounds. Oh. In fairness to you and to myself, we will check that together in a moment. I think it's remarkable that you're prepared to entrust such a large sum to anyone else. I am prepared, Mr. Hatch. In some situations, one has to take risks. One has to balance one uncertainty against another. With you, I'm ready to do that. Thank you. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'll get the case which is in my safe in the next room. I, uh, I take it you have the key. I've got it here. Good. A uh, somewhat unusual arrangement, but necessary in a complex situation. And now, if you will allow me a few minutes. Certainly. If you feel like another drink, don't hesitate to help yourself. Thank you. Do you like music? I do, as a matter of fact. Then let me regale you. I uh, shan't keep you a moment.
he doing? Mr. Snell? Mr. Snell? My, my God! Open up here! Are you all right, sir? Me? Yes. Why? We've just had an emergency call. This is 16 Tresham Court. Yes, it is. May we come in, sir? Certainly, Sergeant. Are you the occupier of this flat? No, I'm not. I should explain, Sergeant. Is the occupier in? Uh, that is the point. What is the occupier's name, sir? Snell. Walter Crowley Snell. And what is your name, sir? Galloway Hatch. May I ask what you're doing here, sir? I'm a visitor. Look, Sergeant, let me explain. I'd like it... a word with Mr. Snell, if I may, sir. Well, I don't know about that. What do you mean, sir? Sergeant, there's something I've only just discovered. There's a dead man in the next room. Stay by the door, Constable. Sergeant, come with me, sir. He's been shot through the head. Is this Mr. Snell? No, it's not. Do you know who it is? Yes, I do. It's Sir Darrell Ford. Have you got that all right? Yes, Inspector. Any queries, Mr. Hatch? Not at this stage. I'll want to read it, of course. Of course. We'll need your signature on it. Okay. Get that statement typed. Very good, sir. Well, Mr. Hatch, your bugging of Mr. Snell's flat was an infringement of privacy not to be condoned. But what we've picked up on those tapes so far does seem to support your contention that there was some sort of conspiracy. A conspiracy to defraud? I'm sure there was. Hmm. I imagine the money you were supposed to collect was part of the proceeds, but they fell out over it. Oh, they fell out, all right. But... I still can't see why Snell should have put that emergency call through. Oh, delaying tactics, Inspector. While I was being taken in and you were getting my statement, he was on his way. Mm. Must have been almost an hour before you put out a call for him. Yes, and I don't imagine that the plane which is picking him up will be flying to Geneva. Quite a different destination. Hmm. Let's just play that last tape again, in case we miss something. something out about Hatch. He's not reliable. Are you sure? He's got no intention of delivering that cash. Once he gets his hands on it, we won't see it again. But you assured me you'd taken care of that side of things. So I did. I told him what would happen if he tried any double-crossing. But he's found out something. A bit too much. If I may say so, that was always the danger. I never wanted him in the first place. Mm, you didn't want him. Shh. Then why did you suggest him? Well, how else were we going to get the money out of the country? As we'd ceased to trust one another, there had to be a third party. Well, it hasn't worked. We've got to do it differently. Listen. What do you mean by that? We'll divide it now and make our own arrangements. And double the risk? Well, what's the alternative? <sighs> All right. Have you got the key? He's got one key, I've got the other. He'll be here in half an hour. All right, then, let's get on with it. All right. <clears throat> 
You've got the case in your desk. That's a damn fool place to keep it. A temporary housing, my friend. I took it out of my safe just before you arrived. All right. Uh, here's the key. I'll open it. I don't think you will. What the hell? What are you doing with that? Pointing it at you, Daryl. Pointing it at you. Put that bloody gun away. What the hell's the idea? There's been a change of plan. What do you mean? You're not going to kill me. I'm going to kill you. Well, out of your mind? Very far from it. Well, for God's sake, Walter. Oh, it's Walter, is it? But what's, what's got into you? We went into this together. We'll come out together. How nice. Look, I played fair from the beginning, didn't I? I played fair all along. It wasn't my fault you turned suspicious. I came here this afternoon to warn you. Don't you believe that? No, I don't. I'll tell you what I do believe. What, for God's sake? In doing to others what they would do to you if only they got the chance. <coughs> you bastard! You, you dirty bastard! <coughs> Dead? My dear sir. My very Yes, never get away. What happened? Snell shot Ford and went off with the loot. What? The police came round in answer to a 999 call just as I discovered the body. So they took me in. Gally, are you in the clear? Oh, absolutely. Sans peur et sans reproche. I don't suppose I should get more than 15 years. Oh, I do wish you wouldn't joke. I've been sitting here biting my nails ever since they told me you were helping them. And so I was. Just to put your mind at rest, what was picked up on the tape justified practically everything I said in my statement. Oh. Clearly, there was a conspiracy against the old lady. Those two were dividing the spoils and had fallen out. And if Snell hadn't shot Ford, Ford would have shot Snell. So you are in the clear? Oh, yes. I expect I shall get my wrist slapped for invasion of privacy, but that's all. Oh. Besides, the authorities are going to be much too concerned with hushing up the frightful row that could break over the Treadgold collection. Oh, that reminds me. What? The old lady rang three times. Constance? Yes, she said she'd ring again. That's probably her now. She's abroad. Where's she ringing from? I don't know. She didn't say. All right, I'll take it. <clears throat> Galloway Hatch? Good evening, Mr. Hatch. This is Constance Treadgold. Good evening, Lady Constance. I'm sorry I missed you before. I gather you rang. No matter, Mr. Hatch. I expect you were detained. Uh, well, yes. By the police, by any chance? Why do you ask? Because I'm rather concerned about Mr. Snell. Did he get away? Get away from what? From Daryl Ford in the first place. I suddenly realized that Snell was in danger, so naturally I had to warn him. Did he get away? Uh, well, yes, he did. It rather looks as if he shot Ford. Dear me. Doubtless in self-defense. And he went off with the money. What money? Come, Mr. Hatch. 
You know as well as I do. Thirty thousand pounds you were supposed to be paid for the murder. You know about that? I know it was my money. So it was very reprehensible of Mr. Snell to go off with it. Hasn't he gone off with quite a lot of your things, one way and another? He certainly tried to. Fortunately, I had my suspicions about him early on. So when I discovered he'd substituted a copy for a valuable escritoire in my collection, I knew what to do. What did you do? I introduced him to Ford. On the basis that one good crook deserves another? On a business basis. Which ensured the highest cut of the profits from the whole swindle going to the sleeping partner, yourself. I didn't quite hear what you said, Mr. Hatch. I simply told them to make a business arrangement and get on with it. The alternative being that you went to the police. Oh, dear. Wouldn't that have been a kind of blackmail? Uh, wouldn't that have been their just desserts? It depends how you look on things. Perhaps our minds work along similar lines, Mr. Hatch. Perhaps they do, Lady Constance. Why did you bring me? Ah, yes. As I said, it was very naughty of Snell to go off with the money. And shooting Ford wasn't very nice either. However, I think I know where Snell is to be found. If you and the police act quickly, he can still be arrested. Right. Give me the details and I'll pass them on. It's a little place five miles south of Lincoln, Burstead Manor. Burstead Manor. There's a small private airstrip. Uh, the local police are bound to know it. Private airstrip. The aircraft picking him up is landing at eight o'clock this evening. ETA, 20, 100 hours. Get Inspector French on the other line. That's the number. Very urgent. Okay. Right, Lady Constance. I'll just check her back. Lady Constance? Lady Constance? Are you there, Lady Constance? Oh, hell, she's rung off. Hello? Can I speak to Inspector French? It's about the Ford murder case. Galloway Hatch. Yes, I'll hold. Oh, God! What? Of course, that's it. What is? She got Snell to bump off Ford. Now she's getting Snell arrested. So they're both out of her way. Constance? She's played them off against each other all along the line. Now she's reaping the entire proceeds. Do you mean she was behind the whole business? From the beginning. She was the Treadgold conspiracy. First, she promised them shares in the sale of individual items. And then, in the five million which they helped her bulldoze the government into paying for the collection... She knew that each wanted to grab the other's share because each plotted with her to do so. So she double-crossed both of them. And now I bet she's safely abroad with the loot in some tax-free haven where there's no extradition treaty. Good Lord! But they'll get her in the end, somehow. Won't they? Oh, I bet they will. That lady's a born survivor. With five million pounds, she'll survive forever. <laughs> 